Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world you get in four minutes. We start things off in downtown Phoenix. Diamondbacks will lose their three to one. Huge play in the game in game three. Bottom of the second inning, Walker with a leadoff double. Tommy Pham, hard single to Garcia. Walker runs through the stop sign, gets thrown out at the plate, and then the Rangers score three in the next inning. Manager Tori Lavella. We should have been better in that situation. Christian Walker owned it, he accepted it. Um, he was accountable for his actions, and I know um, I, I will still consider him one of my our best instinctual base runners. I think it was just a misread. Braden fought, didn't give up another run other than the three he gave up in the top of the third. Bullpen three and two-thirds of an inning without giving up an earned run. Scherzer and Garcia left the game with back injuries. Game four, bullpen for both teams. First pitch, five o'clock. No questions asked right at the beginning of the press conference. Jonathan Gannon smacked Cardinals fans in the face. Talked to all the quarterbacks this morning. Um, we keep ramping up Kyler and uh, see how he progresses through the week. And if it's not Kyler, then it's going to be Clayton Toon. Clayton Toon will also be the backup even if it is Kyler. Cardinals are at Cleveland, kickoff 11 o'clock. Connor Bedard scores his fourth goal 28 seconds into the game. And the Coyotes still win eight to one. Yes, they were down one to nothing. Scored eight straight. Michael Carcone got his first ever hat trick, but he was more impressed with how they came back after getting shelled by LA. Yeah, it was, uh, I think we all kind of woke up the next morning uh, knowing that uh, that can't happen. He had four points and so did Jack McBain. They take on the Ducks tomorrow night, face off seven o'clock. Suns, they're at home tonight. Coach Vogel, what's the latest on Bradley Beal and Devin Booker? Yeah, getting closer. Uh, not, not, not there yet, uh, most likely. Um, the list book is doubtful and Brad is out uh, for tomorrow, uh, but definitely making progress. Tomorrow is now today. They take on the Spurs at 7 o'clock. In other NBA news, James Harden and P.J. Tucker overnight traded from the 76ers to the Clippers. Now they're Clippers. Clippers end up giving up four players, four draft picks, and a pick swap. U of A, Noah Fafita. Three times in a row, he's the Pac-12 Freshman of the Week. They take on UCLA at home, kickoff Saturday at 7.30. CKD, Coach Kenny Dillingham says Utah is exactly the culture that they want to establish, and that's toughness. Part of that toughness, they've decided to practice the irrelevant of injuries. You know, we can't just because people are dinged up doesn't mean you can become soft. We gotta keep doing good on good work. We gotta keep improving, keep getting better, and don't let your circumstance uh, always dictate, you know, how you're practicing, what your outcome is. They're on the road, kickoff at 11 in the morning at Utah. NFL last night, Monday Night Football, 26-14, a winner for Detroit over Vegas. They're now six and two. Running back Gibbs was fantastic. 26 carries, 152 yards, and a touchdown. And finally, 
A man who speaks Russian was visiting a Lisbon, Portugal restaurant. He eventually was arrested by the Portuguese anti-terrorist unit for what? Ordering a juice with pomegranate. Yes, arrested for terrorism charges because he wanted some pomegranate juice. (laughs) Well, it seems to be in the idiotic Russian language, pomegranate and grenade is the same word. When he tried to ask his phone to Google Translate for the waiter, he ended up telling the waiter in Portuguese that I have a grenade. The police showed up, arrested him at gunpoint, searched his home, and finally, after interrogating him four hours later, figured out the man was thirsty. Jackpot Unplugged Army, I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat. You walk over for happy hour with your wife. You might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime. Or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. Hey, I said Rangers in six will not happen. Rangers in seven will not happen. Rangers in five will definitely not happen. I said the Arizona Diamondbacks are going to make it. They're going to win games four, five, and six. We're going to be world champions. Believe, let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world. Totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merck. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Um, maybe it'll go seven now. <laughs> I uh, Just hearing myself say that, that they're going to win four, five, and six, a three-game winning streak, sounds a little tough. Sounds a little tough. But what happened against the Phillies? One game three to reestablish the series. One game four, tied it up two games apiece. Lost game five at home. 
and then they were able to sweep the remaining two games in Philly. It's going to be a lot harder to sweep two games in Philly than it will be to win three games against the Rangers. Not that Texas doesn't look great right now. I would love to be up 2-1. I would love to say that Torrey Lovello didn't pitch to Adolis Garcia in the bottom of the 11th inning. I would love if Christian Walker kept his head up. I would love a lot of other decisions. I would love if Marquez was not the home plate umpire. There's a lot of things I wish I could change right now, but I'm not changing the pick. We're still going with it. Our bullpen is better than their bullpen, so let's go with some positivity into game four. Game five, I don't know what's going to happen in game five. Don't know. But we got Merrill Kelly in game six. We've got a little bit of a rebound from Brandon Fott in game seven and definitely no Max Scherzer. I shouldn't say definitely. More than likely no Max Scherzer in game seven. Let's, let's believe here, okay? Not doubting anything right now. This isn't fake enthusiasm either. I'm not trying to get you pumped up. This is how I feel, all right? We're going to be all right after losing game two. I still think the Diamondbacks are going to win the championship. And uh, if we're not world championships, I'll have to eat it. All right? That's, that's the way it is. I don't want to. I don't take that lightly. I want to earn your respect. And when I make predictions that are wrong, I don't earn your respect. So uh, this matters to me. It's not just up. So what? My prediction didn't go well. Uh, can't wait to Town Hall Tuesday today. Because my uh, beer swilling video went, I wouldn't say viral, but it got a lot of attention amongst Dodger fans. And uh, so there's some Dodger beatdowns that I that I get for the video. So I think you'll uh, you'll enjoy uh, Town Hall Tuesday today. Loved yesterday. Had a wonderful day. I, I went home early from work yesterday. I was just exhausted and slept. Uh, well, first thing is I bounced around. I uh, I kind of needed some inspiration, and CEO Chris gave him gave me inspiration by bouncing me around and having me look at different studios and different ideas in life, and I. I got excited about that yesterday. Then I went home and just went to bed after a long weekend of work. I, it sounds funny. I worked so hard all weekend. I took, a, I, I, I took a day off in a sense on a Monday. But I slept from like 1030 in the morning all the way until 3 o'clock yesterday. I was just hating it. So I feel, I feel t- so much better. So refreshed today. Got so much work done. Watched a couple NBA games off of the DVR from the weekend that I hadn't got to. Saw Monday Night Football, saw the Diamondbacks, watched it all sitting outside, and I did something I never expected to do. I put a sweatshirt on last night. Man, it was, it's like 55 degrees outside today. Chilly. So uh, I realize I've gotten old and totally Phoenician that I need a sweatshirt at 55 degrees. But, man, I was, I was chilly last night. But, oh, it was so cool to breathe in our, our chilly air and be able to watch the, uh, the game yesterday. Um, I'll get over the loss. I, I still believe in us. Uh, greatly. All right, sound credits today. Uh, Sun Devil Source gave us the Kenny Dillingham off of their YouTube channel, and same thing with the Arizona Wildcats off of their YouTube channel for Jed Fish. However, we've only got one piece of Jed Fish for you today, and don't blame us. Jed said some good things I would normally have played for you, but for some reason, the guy running the camera and audio at U of A was completely asleep at the wheel. They do a great job. So this isn't like a blanket attack, but if you watch the press conference yesterday, all of a sudden the camera starts moving while Jed's talking, and then it's and then for a while, like for one whole one-minute answer, Jed Fish's shoulder is the only thing on camera. It's like, what is this guy doing? Like he had to know it's moving and didn't even pay attention. And then the audio guy 
didn't really turn up Jed Fish's microphone, but left the crowd mic up the whole time. So it just echoed like crazy. So I didn't use any of that. However, uh, I do need help. We got Suns PR and Coyotes PR and ArizonaCardinals.com as well for sound credits. I forget. Do you remember the Twitter handle, Jeff Weir Production, of the guy that I sent you for Dabo Sweeney audio? Trey Wallace. Thank you. At Trey Wallace is a guy who I, I know this is crazy. On a day as busy as today, you're going to say what? You're going to talk five minutes at Clemson football? Yes, I am. Yeah, I told you. This podcast, this show, is whatever I think you need and, uh, and, and everything I can cram in in two hours. And I, th- I, I thought this was so hilarious and yet so bad. It's something that uh, you've got to hear, so we'll get to that one. And uh, I think that's it. All right. Uh, anything in your world? Jeff Weir Production, how's life? Life is good. All right, all right. Yep. And happy Halloween. Well, thank you, thank you. I love Halloween. Uh, full disclosure, tomorrow's show, I just want to get Izzy and Jeff Weir Production uh, – Give get them ready for tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow show will be your nightmare, and I'm sorry, but every Halloween we invite. We're kind of that neighborhood house where, like, a lot of friends come over and uh, and we play cornhole on the sidewalk and then yell at five year olds for stepping on my cornhole boards, and uh, and then I'll have a TV out there and we'll be watching the World Series and there will be a lot of beer consumption, and uh, so therefore I don't know how much work I'm getting done tomorrow. So hey, good luck to you boys. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me either. Uh, next year's th- Halloween, however, is on a Thursday. So uh, Thursday it'll be a, it'll it'll be a little better. Tuesday Halloweens are uh, are rough, not for the Tuesday, but for the Wednesday. Uh, it makes them rough. All right, that's it. I got my apology out of the way before anything actually happened. Let's roll. Doug's big one. Doug's big one today. My number one opinion I have in the world of sports is Alfonso Marquez, Christian Walker, and Tony Perez Chica did not lose the game for the Arizona Diamondbacks. They contributed greatly, no doubt, but they're not the reason why the Diamondbacks lost. The Arizona Diamondbacks went five innings without a base hit. Five innings, no base hit. They had two innings where they had just one hit. That's seven innings of a ball game, and you have two. Two hits in those seven innings. Then, in two other innings, they did have two hits. One of the innings they scored. The other inning, Christian Walker gets gunned out at the plate. That's why the Arizona Diamondbacks lost. Let, let's Before we talk about anything else, let's get that one thing straight. Before we talk about how terrible Alfonso Marquez was, let's be clear. We're not whining. We did not. The Arizona Diamondbacks did not deserve to win Game 3 of the World Series. Okay, And if we're such a poor team that one bad base running decision derails an entire game, then we're mentally weak and we shouldn't even be here. Okay, So that is not why the Arizona Diamondbacks lost. Yes, it contributed. Yes, it was a problem. But it's not the whole reason why they lost. Okay. Now that we're there, now let's bitch. <laughs> Okay, I mean, now let's complain. Uh, I sent this tweet out. It was it was reasonably popular, and it's totally how I feel. Alfonso Marquez behind the plate in the World Series is not the problem. Bad calls happen. The problem to me is that Major League Baseball actually says that's one of the top six umpires in the game. Who makes that decision? Who evaluated the tape and said that guy belongs behind the plate in game three of a World Series? That's embarrassing. 
baseball, that's embarrassing. If you watch baseball at all, you see, you can tell Alfonso Marquez is a very good person. He's not about himself. He doesn't umpire in a way that says, don't step on my ego. And he's a guy that clearly has a great handle on the rule book. And you'll be surprised. There are umpires, umpire, major league umpires right now that I know the rules of the game better than they do. Okay? And that's not a compliment to me. That's an insult to them. All right? Now, now that we've established that the human being, and I'm not attacking the human being, I'm attacking baseball for how pathetic they are at running the umpires. Listen, a lot of people want to blame the umpires' union for protecting bad umpires or for using what they say. I got a great tweet that will come up today in, uh, in, in uh, Town Hall Tuesday for using seniority to determine who should be the umpires and not skill. I get all that. But it's up to Major League Baseball to run their sport. It's up to the union to run their union. It's up to baseball to run the game. Rob Manford, this was on you. The world can bust Alfonso Marquez all they want. He suddenly didn't become a great balls and strikes umpire. He's never been good at that. You allowed it to happen. It's your league. Owners, it's your league. You voted to accept the contract with the umpires union. You had every right to say, wait a minute, how is Angel Hernandez still an umpire? What are we doing wrong as a league that doesn't allow us to fire a certain number of people? Yes, the union will fight that. Yes, the union will argue against it. But if we are at the point in society where we can rank 17-year-olds, 16-year-old girls in high school basketball as the top 10, how can we not have a public ranking of Major League Baseball putting out the rankings of their umpires? We, we distribute records. We see the final score of a game. There are standings printed in the paper. <laughs> That's me going old school. There are standings for you to look at that says – the Atlanta Braves are in first place. The L.A. Dodgers are in second place. We get to see how these grown men perform. Yet we've got to protect the umpires from that. Why? Rank the umpires. Only the top get in. And if your system is so flawed that Alfonso Marquez earned his World Series bid, then the entire contract with the union should be destroyed. Major League Baseball, you're not good at your job. And last night proved it. It's on you to change it. This isn't an anti-union rant. It's not a pro-labor rant. I don't care about the union side of this. I care about Major League Baseball not getting the job done and putting that out as a product last night. I mean, missing a couple borderline calls is one thing. But those are potentially game-changing bad calls that he missed. A strike three that was easily missed that would that ended up in a walk that hurt. Um, I don't know why in the world I just blanked on poor Brandon Fott's name. Sorry to Mr. and Mrs. Fott. But you did that. That hurt. Then there is also strikeouts that were called when it was not a strike. This is an emergency situation to get the challenge system put in place for Major League Baseball. 
Christian Walker, the situation, I, I for, forgot to ask this uh, personally. Were you able to pull the video, Jeff, for your production of Christian Walker? Uh, yes. Oh, great, yeah. great. Let's, uh, is the video, does it include Seawalk talking or is it just the video of, um, uh, of the play? It's both. Oh, is it? Okay. Uh-huh. So I'll tell you what. Let's go into uh, D-backs. I made this nice little list for you, and then I, I did not send it to you. So it's Tory 4, Seawalk 1, and then back then 2-3-1 for Tory. So 4-1, 2-3-1. Make sense? Yes. Oh, you're awesome. So let's first start with Tory. If you didn't see the game last night or you were in a hurry and, and possibly missed the play, uh, Diamondbacks, in a sense, out 1-2-3 in the first. Cattell walked, but then a, a uh, double play ball was hit into by Gabby, 5-4-3. So it's basically 1-2-3 in the first. Second inning, Christian Walker gets the standing ovation. So Cam Cox, hats off to you for leading that charge on 12 Sports tonight. And the crowd actually responding it was fantastic and you could see christian walker felt it and christian walker laces a double and he's standing on second and i don't know about you shows you how little i know about baseball as soon as that ball left christian walker's bat i thought the diamondbacks had won the world series i'm you think i'm joking i'm not joking because everything they've done in this postseason has basically been without christian walker and when that happened i believed ball game If we now add Christian Walker to this offense, that changes the series. I would rather have Adolis Garcia over Christian Walker if I'm choosing a player. I think I get more offense uh, from Garcia because I don't don't think Christian Walker uh, makes enough contact, in my opinion. But, listen, I, I... when you see Christian Walker's defense, do you have any problem with it? Heck no. So that's a great debate. I also like a better defense in the outfield than I care as much about it at first base. Good debate question. Would you rather have Garcia or Walker? Having said that, with what happened, if now we get our own Garcia, we've got a guy we're dropping into the middle of the lineup that's going to mash. I feel like that with that hit. And then everything gets flipped immediately. Tommy Pham, hard line drive to right field. Christian Walker gunned out at the plate. Let me go through the play first before we watch it. And then you'll kind of understand the problem with this. Number one, it does happen sometimes when you're rounding second. When you're rounding second, like trying to get a triple, that you forget about an outfielder's arms. And that's why your third base coach is very important. When you're rounding second, going to third. And, and that really is important when you're on first base. A lot of people, if you're learning the game, you might not realize why people like me expect so much when it comes to a baseball IQ. The reason is players have a lot of time in between pitches. There's Players have a lot of time to figure out what am I going to do. So you've already got Christian Walker on second base. Already got him there. So when you're standing on second base and you're waiting for the next pitch to the next batter, it's your job to know the outfield arms. It's your job to know who are we challenging in this outfield and who are we respecting in this outfield. I don't care if you're a high school player. If you're a high school player, sit your butt down and watch the other team take infield and outfield. Make mental notes of who's got the arms. Study it. Know it. And remember it. For when you're out on the bases. Yes, baseball is that mental of a game if you want to be great. 
So number one mistake, Christian Walker blew it by not realizing that ball's hit to right field. That's an outfielder we're respecting. We're not challenging that arm. Then he gets a late break off of second. This is not only a physical error, it is a massive mental error. You had to do two, you had to fail twice. He had to fail at recognizing while standing on second, I'm not running on Adolis Garcia. And he had to recognize, he failed to recognize, I got a late jump and I'm now going to try to run on him anyway. Even dumber. Now, a lot of people are going to go after Tony Perez Chica. Tony Perez Chica was waving him home saying, go, go, or I don't know what he was saying, but waving him home and then put up the stop sign. That is 100% standard baseball, 100%. The reason why is you want to fool the fielders. You want everybody yelling, yeah, 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 four, 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 four. You want Garcia throwing the ball home for two reasons. One, he might airmail it, and now you can send Christian Walker home. You're trying to induce the throw. You're not going to induce a throw by giving the stop sign right from the beginning. You're deking the outfielder. And you want him to throw it. Secondly, what you want to do is by getting him to miss the cutoff, man, you're hoping to get Moreno to second. The the advantage of runners on second and third, nobody out, versus first and third is so tremendous, especially a catcher on first. You can get runners on second and third. You're gold in that inning. So you want to force the throw. So you're winding him home, and then when he gets near the third base dirt, you're putting up the stop sign. And you are knowing that he, the, the outfielder's not throwing the ball to third. If he threw the ball straight to third, there's probably no way Christian Walker would stop, and he'd get tagged out over running the bag. But you're doing this deep because you know the player can round the bag and get back to the base. And that's why he's doing that. Go, go, go. No, no, no. Stop, stop. And he puts up the stop sign. Bad base running for Christian Walker just to put the head down. And here's what he's doing. It's the third mistake all on Christian Walker. Number one, forgot to remember who to respect. Number two, actually tried to push a respected arm just because he got a bad jump. Think about how dumb that is. I got a bad jump, so I'm going to go to try to make up for the bad jump. But then in order to make up for it, now you got to run with your head down. Bad decision. All, all by Christian Walker in three different areas of that play. Now that you know the setup, let's go to Tori Lovello. Tori, four, please, Jeff Weir production. on uh, Tori, how did you see that play? Yeah, I feel like that was huge momentum swing. You know, you're looking at first and third, potentially in no outs. Um, and, you know, you I, I, a lot of people like to play out the next – set of circumstances, a pop-up and a ground ball off the pitcher's arm, but who knows? The timing, everything would have been different. We, you know, we may have scored a bunch of runs. You just don't know what would happen. The outcome would have been totally different. But, um, yeah, the, the beauty of it is we, we, we should have been better in that situation. Christian Walker owned it. He accepted it. Um, he was accountable for his actions, and I know um, I, I will still consider him one of my our best instinctual base runners. I think it was just a misread and then trying to make up for it, and he compounded things, and it just didn't go the way we wanted it to. Was it, was it a pivotal moment in the day, in the game? Absolutely. And we talk about making statements. I'm not going to lie. It, it, it hurt. hurt a little bit, and they turned around on us to score three runs, and that was a big moment. We got flattened there for a couple innings. 
I it's a human nature effect. I hate it when he says we got flat for a couple innings because that's mental. You're in a freaking World Series, all right? Get over it. A guy gets thrown out the plate. Let's go. How many times has Christian Walker picked you guys out of the dirt on a bad throw or picked up the team? Somebody step up and pick him up. All right? Bad. But they're human beings, and we were all let down by it. So no different if you're sitting in a jersey or not. Bad move by Christian Walker. Seawalk, what do you have to say about it? Honest mistake. Um, I felt like I got a late a late read from my angle. Uh, it was hard to tell how hard the ball was hit. I had a feeling it was going to drop, but I've seen Tommy hit that ball before, and it, it gets to that you know the right fielder in the air. So I was a little hesitant um, to just turn my back and go. And I think I just got a little bit sped up trying to make up for that shuffle and had my head down trying to make a tight turn around third, like really trying to get to the plate. And um, just just the last time I looked at him, he was waving and I never saw the stop sign. Um, but yeah, just probably just trying to do too much there. Um, should have been more aware. Jeff, do you have the ability to play that again without the audio? Uh, it'll be, you want me to fast forward to the interview or to the play? Yeah, like play Seawalk again, just what you played, mm-hmm. but but play without the audio. Sure. Can you do that? Okay, go ahead and, and hit play on it now, and I'll keep talking. I didn't love the comments from Christian Walker right there. And I, they're not terrible, but I, well, first of all, what does an honest mistake mean? An honest mistake, was there a dishonest mistake? I know you didn't mean to hurt your team, but... I accept totally the explanation. He says, that ball is hit so hard, I've seen it get to the outfielder. So he's waiting in just a second. That's actually a fair explanation. But the question becomes, why did you go? And you just saw, if you're watching it here on WTSMTV.com, Tony Perez-Chica with the winding of the arm and then putting up the stop sign. That's totally your job to pay attention and watch. So Christian Walker, don't say, well, I looked up, I saw the waving of the arm, and then I put, and I never saw the stop sign. If you're going to say that, then follow it up by saying, I never saw the stop sign, and that's my responsibility. I've got to keep my eyes on the third base coach there, and I didn't. I, I, and he is not the type of person to try to get out of it. So as I, you could argue I'm nitpicking right now because I think I know that Christian Walker meant more accountability on himself. But I don't love that. The explanation is brilliant at the beginning. There's a chance that ball gets all the way to the outfielder. I've seen it with Tommy Pham. He hits the ball so hard. So I was a little hesitant to go. That makes perfect sense, okay? If you if he would have stopped at third and everybody would have been bent out of shape that he didn't score on a base hit to right field, I would have defended him like crazy with that explanation. When he's thinking, hey, I got a leadoff double. There's nobody out. I don't want to run into an out at the plate. I got a little bit of a late break on my way to third. I have seen Tommy Pham hit those line drives with that sound all the way to the right fielder. I thought there was a chance it might make it there, and I knew I wasn't going to be aggressive against Garcia anyway, so I stopped at third. That's a brilliant explanation. You Still, yes, you'd like him to get a better jump and score, but if he would have said that, we're all on that page. We're fine with that. Possibly runners on second and third, nobody out. Definitely runners on first and third, nobody out. Terrible base running by Christian Walker. I wished he would have said it a little differently in the way he phrased it, but we'll get over it. That's not the end of the world, okay? That's uh, that's 
the biggest play of the game is right there with Seawalk. Now let's get into something. Uh, some of the things that Tori Lovello had to say. We're going to go two, three, one. Jeff Weir production, and that is, I love this because now the subject matter is Marquez and his terrible umpiring uh, in the game, in which uh, we had a bad, bad strikeout at uh, in, in one portion of the game in which uh, the Diamondbacks really got robbed and Cameron Cox of 12 News had the courage to ask the question that needed to be asked and phrase it exactly how it needed to be phrased. I wanted to keep Cam Cox's question in this audio for you. The reason why, I want you to hear how long it takes before Tori's ready to respond. Hey, Tori, what was your vantage point there of that call on Moreno? Um, yeah, you're trying to get me in trouble. I know. Uh, I know the world's watching right now. I mean, I'm not happy about it. Um, I know that if it if they were off the plate and there were missed calls, they got to tighten it up. Just this the same as ever. I'd say that to everybody. But I will say this: that the umps are doing their absolute best. Um, Ball's moving at high velocities. It's, it's getting manipulated at home plate. But, yeah, there, there were some um, calls that didn't go our way today. Was that the difference in the game? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, they took advantage of it. Let's put it that way. If they were missed calls, they took advantage of it and won the baseball game the way they needed to. Very well handled. Very well handled. Um, because that's what matters. That's what matters. Are you able to overcome it? I am one. I don't blame referees and umpires for wins and losses. I think you can separate everything. And this is what I mean. One of my rants today is against baseball and Alfonso Marquez. Do not excuse Alfonso Marquez. Obviously, this is all opinionated. You're entitled to your own opinion. I'm never going to excuse Alfonso Marquez for in the most important, one of the most important moments of his professional life. He failed miserably and fell on his face. He should say it. He should admit it. And baseball, if they had any clue what they were doing, would do something about it. That's a baseball thing. You as the Diamondbacks, hey, do your job. Get over it. All right? Alfonso Marquez is not the reason why you had a runner thrown out the plate. He's not the reason why you had five innings without a hit and two innings with only one hit. That's not an Alfonso Marquez problem. He did a bad job. So did the Diamondbacks. We can separate each one of those things. Now, the next follow-up is a, is a good follow-up question. After tonight, how do you feel about the minor league challenge system that's going on when it comes to balls and strikes? Um... Probably going to punt on that right now. I know, like I said, Major League Baseball is doing a really good job um, of staying ahead of things, and they're doing their absolute best. I've all, I said it today when you guys asked me about the the roof being open. I just said if there's a level playing field, that's all I care about, and I just want it to be neutralized. And everybody has the same same crack at getting things right, and the umpires are doing their absolute best. And before I go any further, yeah, I know that Young's second uh, first at bat and a second at bat potentially should have been struck out. But um, it is what it is. And like I said, the umpires are doing their absolute best. I don't want to make a huge deal of it. I, I can go throw my hat in the office and do all I want to do in there. I may or may not. I probably will. But I got to find a way to turn the page, too, and work through the frustration of what happened today. Well said. Well done. Classy. Uh, if you haven't actually seen it, 
the strike uh, to Moreno, it does change the at-bat. It's strike two instead of ball four in the bottom of the ninth inning. And that's that's a big deal, without a doubt. And it's um, the the leadoff hitter. So you would have put Moreno on. You probably would have put in a pinch hitter or pinch runner. Maybe not in a three to one game. You do in a three to two game, definitely. Maybe in a three to one game, you leave him out there, and uh, because you don't want to lose him for extra innings or something like that. Probably put in a pinch runner. I think I would. But in yeah, I would. I admit it. But in that situation, you force him to swing at a pitch that he doesn't really want to swing at, and it's in your head. You know you just walked. If you haven't seen the pitch tracks of this pitch, holy crap. Uh, Jeff Weir Production, do you know how to find the pitch tracks? Have I ever t- – I've know. never done it before. I don't think I've ever shown you this. Uh, take your uh, – let's see. Let me try to do the math in my head of where we are at. Yeah, you'll be able to do it while I talk about Brandon Fought, and, and then I'll have you play Brandon Fought. And I know you, you can't play Brandon Fought and look for it at the same time. But just go to uh, a website where you can get baseball play-by-play. I think uh, a good place to go is if you go to dbacks.com where you normally get different highlights, on the right-hand side, it'll have uh, the scoring plays. And all you have to do is hit the button all for all plays. Scroll to the bottom of the ninth inning where Gabby Moreno is batting and then hit the button fly out uh, or ground out. And once you hit that button, it'll show you every pitch that Gabby Moreno saw. And uh, the reason why I'm bringing this up, this is – it is crazy. When you see the pitch where it was, according to pitch tracks, that Alfonso Marquez called strike two, it is a strike – if you consider the plate as wide as the batter's box. Yeah. It is. It nips the corner of the batter's box. Gabby Moreno is a right-handed hitter. The left-handed batter's box stripe has a ball going over the top of it. So it not only missed the white part of the plate, it not only missed the black part of the plate, it missed the brown part of the dirt. And it's going over the white part of the dirt of the painted left-handed hitter's batter's box. It's that bad of a call. And now you don't have ball four, and you're sitting there now with your uh, second strike, and now it's a, two, it's a full count. You now have to protect, and he grounds out. It is as... It's terrible. All right. Um, which is easier, Jeff Weir Production? Brandon fought right now, or are you getting close to the show in the pitch? Uh, I can do uh, Brandon fought. Okay. I, I just can't find where scoring is. Okay. Uh, let's go to Brandon fought then. Brandon fought is uh, – this is from Tori Lovello. This is a big deal. I really appreciate and, and respect Tori Lovello for doing it. I think he did the right thing. He allowed Brandon fought to pitch deeper into the game. He didn't take out fought until uh, uh, Castro came in to face Evan Carter, even though Garcia walked and they barely pitched to Garcia in that at bat. But by Brandon fought going this deep into the game, this was a major positive to set up a bullpen day when Max Scherzer had to be pulled early for Texas. Pitching into the sixth inning, giving us a little bit extra was was a was a big moment for um, for him because I know I extended him a little bit, but he accepted that responsibility. He did enough to win the baseball game. Unfortunately, we just couldn't get him any run support, and that was the difference in the game for me. 
That's tough. The other reason I feel good today, and I don't want to mock it. This is not in any way, you know, I, I think you always want to beat a team at their best. At the same time, there's no World Series rings that's going to say Diamondbacks beat Texas, but Adolis Garcia and Max Scherzer didn't have any more performances after game three. It doesn't say that on the ring. And it's not like there haven't been injuries that have affected championships, you know, in, 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 in the entire history of the game. Your job is who has the deepest team is part of being able to win. Max Scherzer left the game and he was grabbing his back. Who knows with a back whether he's going to be ready for game seven or not. So ridiculous to even speculate on that. Garcia left the game holding his side. I don't know whether it was an abductor. I don't know whether it was an oblique. I don't know whether it was a back. I don't know what it is with Garcia mostly being listed as a side issue. So who knows whether he's bouncing back and ready to go today or whether he's done for the series or somewhere in between. But I'm okay with where we are right now. Down two games to one, bullpen day for both teams, and we've got the better bullpen. Game five at home, even though we lost to the Phillies in game five, hopefully a better Zach Allen. I'm sure the Rangers feel the same way about Nathan Eovaldi. They're thinking they're going into that game five thinking Eovaldi's not giving up another five runs. So they're thinking pretty good thoughts right there for game five, just like I am. Game six, we've got Merrill Kelly, and game seven, I'm okay with Brandon Fought and, and an all-hands-on-deck bullpen. And Zach Allen probably coming out of the bullpen in Game 7. So I, I'm i still okay. I don't know about you today. I'm still okay. I feel good about where we are uh, with the Diamondbacks. Uh, uh, coming up next, unless, Jeff, you think you're really, really close like you figured it out. I can't. I, there's no way I can save that. It's not a website. It's I don't know how to put that on screen. Okay, no problem. No problem. Um, let's get to uh, – I, I got a lot of college football stuff I want to get to today. We are, like, really, really loaded. Also, up next is Jeff Weir Production taking over and Dodger fans ripping me. Town Hall Tuesday coming up. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. We should have been better in that situation. Christian Walker owned it. He accepted it. Um, he was accountable for his actions, and I know um, I, I will still consider him one of my our best instinctual base runners. I think it was just a misread. It's hot. We've had a pretty hot summer here in Arizona. Who can you trust with your air conditioning? There's only one place my family has ever trusted in Arizona, and that's Parker & Sons Heating cooling, plumbing, and electrical. Call 602 to repair. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. And the reason why I suggest them to you as passionately as I possibly can is I know they've showed up on time to my home every time and they've gotten it right the first time every time and they've treated me fairly every time. What else can you say? Plus, they don't charge anything for nights weekends, emergencies. That means something because when your air conditioner goes out in the summer in Arizona, that's an emergency. You need repairs fast and you can trust Parker and Sons. How do I know? Because my family does. 6022 repair. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons.
Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub and Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. A lot of good Kenny Dillingham today. Suns news. James Harden got traded last night to the Clippers. I'm not really worried about that. I think Harden can destroy any team, but I'm thinking about uh, P.J. Tucker in that trade. The arch nemesis defensively of Devin Booker coming over from the Clippers. Yeah. that that I know I'm the only person in the world that's going to say, hey, that's a big deal. P.J. Tucker coming back into the Western Conference to uh, defend Devin Booker. So we got to keep our eye on the Clippers who are trying to build their own big three. Uh, this is where you email me, Doug at DougFranzUnplugged.com. Hey, before we go, yeah. I, I don't have anything for Town Hall Tuesday. You haven't emailed me Town Hall Tuesday yet. Uh, I, I did uh, about 15 minutes ago. So let's see what we can do about that then. Okay. Um, that's a little weird that you don't have that. It was sent. At 5.55 this morning. The last one I have is four-minute offense. Well, let's just resend it then. <laughs> Sorry I mean, about that, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, that's a stupid system that it says right there in plain English. All sent items. Jeff Weir, Town Hall Tuesday, 5.55 a.m. That's odd. Um, well, I mean, that's – I'm sorry. Let me just open up for a second. That stuff pisses me off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, thank you. Um now, well, do me a favor. Will you still go ahead and uh, you know what? I'll just read it. I'll just read it. Here we go. Go ahead and and, uh, and hit the sounder. Hear ye, hear ye. Oh yay, oh yay! It's time to call a town hall meeting. So you email me Doug at DougFranzUnplugged.com. You uh, post something anytime you want, which is at Unplugged Doug, or at the same time. You can go a different route. You can post something on Instagram, which is at Doug Franz Unplugged. I see all of them. Some of them are so long, I feel terrible, like Greg mocking me by sending me a picture of the Northern Illinois win over Ohio, but uh, telling me a great story about his girl, his uh, daughter's boyfriends. That was funny. That was funny. But it was so long, there's no way I can actually put it into Town Hall Tuesday. So anything somebody writes, there's a chance it's going to be on Town Hall Tuesday. Even if you write, don't put it on Town Hall Tuesday. I'll just protect you, but I'll probably end up uh, using it. So here you go. Uh, uh, this is from Dustin in Pebble Creek. Amazing series. We're going to win it. I can predict what's going to happen by looking in the player's eyes. For example, Tommy Pham looks like he hits. So does Martell and Moreno. You can just see it in their eyes. I can tell what the pitchers are thinking by, and feeling by their eyes too. I know you see the same thing because you see everything your beer drinking video is awesome i send it all to my dodger fans and friends in socal they hate you now dustin and pebble creek <laughs> all right number one <laughs> i am very good at reading body language and yes i can read the intensity in somebody's eyes but i have seen a lot of intense people strike out so 
I do not have your ability to say Tommy Pham looks like he hits and therefore he hits. I that That's a gift to you, Dustin. God bless you on that. I don't have that to look into somebody's eyes and predict their future. I can tell you whether they're intense and focused. I cannot tell you whether that's going to lead to success. Uh, hey, Doug, I thought the reaction to the live chat idea on Town Hall Tuesday was a little harsh. You do openly ask for suggestions and ways to keep everyone feeling connected. You even teased a version of this with posting live tweets for a while. Let's go. D-backs in the World Series. Suns are going. Hockey and football all at the same time. Crunch time in the Phoenix sports world. Let's go. That's from LT Andrew. Um, Andrew, number one, I think it's a very fair criticism of me. However, you forgot one thing. The person that wrote the idea of doing the live chat, that was Dustin in Pebble Creek. And Dustin bought me a beer, and once you buy me a beer, I can rip you forever. So I or just rip it him. So it's okay. But you did make me a better talk show host by writing this because I need to be conscious of the fact that there's no way you know my relationship with different members of the Unplugged Army, and I shouldn't just juxtapose that right into the show without explaining that. If you don't know what uh, LT is talking about, Dustin and Pebble Creek had emailed that I should do a live chat and made some suggestions, and I... I was kind of thinking like, yeah, I, I, I should do that. But at the same time, how am I going to do this part of my job, this part of my job, this part of my job? And, uh, and I went on a, a funny little tangent of all the things that I'm doing, which is no different than Jeff Weir Production, Izzy, Steve, CEO, Chris. When you're trying to build something, we're all doing a lot. We're all juggling a lot of things at the same time. So I was kind of hamming it up with Dustin. But I could see, Andrew, why you thought I sounded a little crazy. So good job. Um, this is from Jamie world series bound literally in tears four more wins. Jamie, that's awesome. I, I totally get it. Um, I don't, I get emotional if I'm at the game with my kids to be able to present that opportunity to my children is something that I, I just, I even get emotional thinking about it. The, the power of my family going to game four of an NLCS, seeing the home run in the pool, things like that, to be able to grant my children that, it's just one of those things where you say, thank you, Jesus, for this life. Thank you, everybody that's ever sacrificed for the American military in order to give me the freedom to be able to enjoy baseball and to live in a country where you can save up your own money to be able to go to an event like that. I, I, I do. I get emotional about my religion and my country and all of those things at that moment. I actually think about of my children have this freedom to do this. So it means the world to me to be able to go to sporting events like that. And I understand your emotions on that, Jamie. Uh, next one. Doug, I've been thinking about getting a D-backs jersey after NLCS Game 7. I was looking around MLBShop.com and Fanatics, and all I see are old school Randy Johnson – Mad Bum, and Lourdes Gurriel jerseys. Just goes to show even more of what was expected this year of the Diamondbacks. This is my first time really enjoying playoff baseball, and it's the most fun I've had watching sports in years. God bless from General David. Um, thank you, General. I, uh, I'm a little shocked that you weren't able to find a Corbin Carroll jersey. If I'm buying one person's jersey right now, it's a Corbin Carroll jersey, and the reason why is the eight-year, uh, nine-year contract, whatever it is. 
to have a guy that good under contract that long when I know I'm like I have a I have two jerseys with my name on it. Sorry, the Diamondbacks gave it to me. Um, and then one jersey that I bought with that's a Paul Goldschmidt jersey. So I know I wear my Goldschmidt jersey sometimes, and it's kind of like, yeah, that's a little weird. He's been gone for a long enough time now. I get it. But it's almost turned into a throwback by now. But what are you going to do? That's the jersey I have, and I'm not in a position anymore to go out and buy another jersey. So having said that, if I'm buying one now, I want somebody that I think is going to be here long term. So I would, I would get that. Um, next one. The fact that the 75th and 77th ranked umps out of 92 are working in this series is nuts. That's from Cordy Court at Cordy Court 530. Strange Twitter handle. You mentioned 75 and uh, 77. I got a great tweet from Robert Chalmers who retweeted um, at Umpire Auditor. I love at Umpire Auditor. It seriously, every night, shows how bad home plate umpires are at their job and I used to be against automated balls and strikes and the reason why I was against it is because I blamed the player the the owners for not rotating in better umpires for not holding umpires accountable accountable they've chosen to allow a system that, that rewards mediocrity so therefore I blame the owners for the bad home plate umpiring having said that since we can't get over it, since the umpire, since the owners are too gutless to do what needs to be done, their only other thing to do then is to automate it. And I'm in favor of automating balls and strikes. Just so you know the two negatives. Okay, there's two major negatives of automated balls and strikes. One, how accurate is the system? <laughs> okay? I, I think to, in order to make it accurate, You've got to get it computerized in spring training and batting practice at bats to be able to make sure that it's laser guided and it's in the system and everything is calibrated before every game. That would be vitally important. Can you imagine a game is over and we find out that one of the cameras was off or a computer miscalculated every outside pitch or something like that? People would lose their minds. And then imagine the conspiracy theorists. Oh, the Astros, they intentionally moved the camera in order to... Okay, that would go crazy. So you do have to worry about that. I believe humans are more corruptible than the computer necessarily, though. So, But maybe it's harder to find a computer that's corrupted. I don't know. Or maybe it's harder to find a human that's corrupted. Now, here's the umpire auditor, what they put out. Here are the rankings of the umpires that will umpire home plate for balls and strikes during the series. Game one, Rayburn, 75th place. Game two, Quinn Walcott, first place. Best home plate umpire, and he had a bad game. Marquez, 77th today. Game four, Rackley, 68th. Game five, Brian Knight, 33rd. Game six, Carapaza, 60th. Game seven, Bill Miller, 53rd. That's, that's a baseball problem. That is Major League Baseball being gutless. Because either A, they actually think those guys are good and put them there. Or B, they were intimidated by the players' union, and, or excuse me, the umpires' union, and just put in umpires of seniority to suck up to the union so they didn't have to deal with the union's whining. Either way, that's an embarrassment. Uh, very good tweet at Cordy Court. Um, next one. Alfonso Marquez has been around for over 20 years, and he's been the crew chief since 2020. 
That's how he gets two postseason assignments despite a poor rating. Despite their denial, seniority rules at the at MLBUA. That's the Twitter handle for the Major League Baseball Umpires Association. That's from JD602. JD, although I think you're 100% right, I'm not going to attack a union for protecting the union. That's exactly what the union's job is. And a union will protect seniority over up-and-comers. That's what a lot of unions do, okay? When unions, I'm not pro or anti-union. I am anti-unions getting political. There's a difference there. I don't think it's right to take money from people in the union and then spend that money politically acting like this guy's better for you. Let the union members decide what is best. I have a theory. I can't prove it. This is just you and I talking. This is me speculating with a beer in my hand sitting at the bar. I think the reason why Tempe didn't get an arena is because that hotel that was going to be built with the arena was going to be a non-union hotel. And I believe unions got, the, the hotel union workers got together and secretly funneled all of the money that tried to make it look like a grassroots backyard group of people to end the Tempe arena. And therefore, an uneducated voter thought a billionaire was getting a tax break from the city and that's what was going to happen. It's really simple. If those people were right that worked so hard against the arena because it's not right for that billionaire to use that land for that reason, let me ask you this. What's been proposed? On a former waste dump, what else has been proposed? Where how, did, did they work hard at now building some kind of park? Did they work hard at now building what they describe as affordable housing? Are they working hard to do that, or are they just a bunch of naysayers that stood in the way of progress? See what I mean? If, if you voted against that Tempe arena, you're either not smart or you weren't informed. I'm not attacking you personally because I guarantee you there's been things I've voted on that I was uninformed. I thought I knew something, found out something after the fact. Or there's been times I voted for a person that I liked and found out the guy was a jerk. Okay? It happens to all of us. So that's not a personal attack. But there is no way you really knew what you were voting on if you would have seen the package. No way. And I believe this town of Tempe got swindled by a group of people who wanted to be political when, in my opinion, they shouldn't be. Now, I, I kind of went on a crazy tangent there, but I don't have any issue with the umpires union. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's Major League Baseball that allows it to happen. You know, get mad at baseball. Um, at NFL 121, White says, Doug, no offense, but no D-back fans should whine about the umps. Merrill Kelly got a ton of off-the-plate pitches called on Saturday night. Number one, I don't know if anybody's whining. Maybe they are. Number two, I don't think you can correlate a 9-1 to one game and a 3-1 to one game with the timing of some of Alfonso Marquez's misses when a guy would have struck out for the Rangers and he ends up getting a walk, when Gabby Moreno would have walked and he ends up having to protect on a full count and coming back to the plate when he knows he's walked, and the egregiousness of the misses, okay? I thought Marquez actually missed fewer pitches, but they were so egregious. 
the ones that he did miss are just that's a man that's mentally checked out I don't believe Marquez can actually be that bad of an umpire I believe he had to be that lazy of an umpire because that floors me that you could be checked in mentally focused on your job and a pitch that goes over the batter's box you call a strike that's that's embarrassing Uh, at AG Kleino hey Doug good point on playing K1 that was my Doug's big one going into this Sunday's game is I'm not going to trust Dobbs the whole game. I'm going to put in K1 for a series for a little bit of a jolt, something close to the red line, something like that. Keep in mind, Kyler didn't even dress. Uh, I'm thinking we treat this game like it's preseason. Dobbs is good in the first half, so when the game goes stale in the third quarter, bring in K1 for a boost and to get the reps. Then he's tested the knee with live action, ready to go for next week. I appreciate the compliment. Let me... I'm not backtracking on the opinion, but let me say this. If it was any other quarterback in the world, I would say you and I were wrong to expect Kyler to play or demand that he plays because he he wasn't ready. Because most quarterbacks will do whatever it takes to get on the field. So a quarterback that does whatever it takes to get on the field and he hasn't been put on the field yet, I am trusting the doctor, the trainer, and the coaching staff to say you're not ready. In the case of Kyler Murray, who has a track history of not pushing himself, and and don't tweet out some video of him working out and saying, see, he's pushing himself. No, no, no. I mean, in his history, when he's got a banged up shoulder, he'd rather sit on the bench. When something's not quite right, he does, I can't play, put in Colt McCoy. Okay, that's who Kyler Murray has been in the past. Maybe he changes under JG, maybe he doesn't. I think he could have played last week and chose not to because we've got to make sure that he's right. No, you don't. He's, you're paying him enough money. He can, he's allowed to beat people with his mind and maybe not run as much. So I think Kyler's the exception. I think Kyler should have played last week. Uh, in response to my beer video of me toasting the Brewers, the Dodgers, and the Phillies while drinking three beers in, in one minute and 55 seconds, um, this is from at LAJ. Hi, LAJ, at LAJ. Definition of bandwagon. Jersey and hat are brand new, and he doesn't know about the Dodgers' six titles. Okay, number one, it depends on when the bandwagon started. I am a bandwagon Diamondbacks fan. I didn't become a Diamondbacks fan until the offseason of 2007. So if in your opinion joining the bandwagon is because I've only been a fan for 17 years, then yes, for 17 years, I'm on the bandwagon. Secondly, uh, this hat, brand new hat. I'm sorry, you're an idiot for that one. I mean, this this hat, if you knew the wars this hat has been through, I think it's been washed once. Don't put it on. Uh, and then the jersey is brand new. Well, actually, the jersey has, it's it's funny, it's got a number nine on it because I got it in 2009. So you're right, brand new jersey, you know, 14 years ago. So you got me on that one, LAJ. Uh, from Alicia, didn't see this until now, Doug. Great job. Diamondbacks are going to the World Series. Yahoo! I don't know if that's really how you sound. Would you say Yahoo, Alicia? From at Andrew Bansall, you're a clown. You know those people that fear clowns? I don't fear clowns. 
I don't understand the fear of a clown. I don't understand. Be I don't really enjoy the clown makeup. I enjoy people doing dumb things in physical comedy. I enjoy that a lot. Clown makeup is weird. Being afraid of people with clown makeup on is weirder. Um, at Lady Baseball, great great Twitter handle. At Lady Baseball. Uh, I hope Texas kicks the. Oh, will you turn on uh, my three sixty, please, Jeff? You ready? Okay. Uh, I hope Texas kicks the <laughs> out of your team. <laughs> Just because I was drinking beer, Lady Baseball. And uh, at True Blue 1022, True Blue, enjoy watching the D Bags lose. Huh. Which one of the three games against True Blue did we lose in that best of five series that we swept? Zero. Uh, True Blue? Sorry. Oh, but you know what? I, I do have to say this back to LAJ about the six titles. You have every right to bust me on that one. Now, to act like I didn't know that they won, that, that makes you kind of stupid because you, you should, I mean, if you're paying attention at all, you would know that I love baseball and I know the rules of the game. I know the history of the game. I know that. But fair is fair. In the video, I did not say since the Diamondbacks started as an organization. I did not say that. But call me crazy, and, and you might disagree. You don't know this, uh, LAJ, at all, because you don't have the knowledge to know this. But originally, they were called the Brooklyn Robins, at, and they were named after their manager. Okay, so the Diamondbacks started in 1998, and the they and the Brooklyn Dodgers are associated with the Brooklyn Robins, who have a very loose affiliation with the Brooklyn Superbas. And therefore, if we go that far back, you would be able to say that the Dodgers had somewhere in the neighborhood of about a 111-year head start on the Diamondbacks. And in 111 years, you want to talk, you needed all of that head start because you only won 55 with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And now you're counting one for Brooklyn. Well, that doesn't count as yours if you're a big L.A. guy. L.A. didn't win it. And most importantly to me, I'm only going by since the Diamondbacks started. Since the Diamondbacks started, it's technically one-to-one in World Series championships. And I personally don't count 2020, just like I don't count the Lakers. And it's not an anti-L.A. thing. It's a very simple philosophy that I have. Dave Roberts is the biggest choke artist as a manager. And and Anthony Davis is the biggest choke artist when it comes to pressure. So the only time those two can win is when they're in a pressure-free, everybody-get-along environment, like a neutral site or a bubble. Then it's okay. Then Dave Roberts can manage in a bubble. I'm okay in the bubble. That's how he got to the World Series. There were no fans! Thank you. Um, And the last one is from at JT Dutch. At JT Dutch. You know this is absolutely 100% true what you said by the number of Dodger fans that are so pressed about it. So well done. I hate your team, but you got to the World Series fair and square. That is a great tweet, JT. I like that. I hate your team, but it was all fair. Listen, I think the system is flawed too. If I'm in charge, I change the system. All right? I would have made it much harder for the Diamondbacks to get to the World Series. But the system is the system, and what did you want? Brewers fans, what did you want? You had three home games to win two. You didn't do it. Dodger fans, what did you want? You had three home games to win three, 
and you didn't win any in three games. And Philly fans, what did you want? Okay, you won 10 to nothing, you're up two games to none, and you only need to win one game at home, and you're now on a two-game home losing streak in the postseason. Whatever system it is, we can talk about it. But in this year's system, the Diamondbacks 100% earned the World Series. You could argue whether they belong in the playoffs, but once you're in, get the job done. And you can't step on your team's grave to yell at us in heaven. I just made that one up. That's awesome. <laughs> I just got your email, by the way. Oh, good. You want to read them? <laughs> and I found the uh, pitching chart for Gabriel Moreno. I don't know if you want oh, that. Go ahead. Put that up. Put that up. This is uh, – so ball one is barely outside of strike two. If you look at the strike zone, the and if you're not watching it, right, I guess I'll describe it to those of you that are uh, uh, listening to the audio portion of the podcast. There is a nine-quadrant grid. Imagine a tic-tac-toe board and then draw a big rectangle that perfectly aligns with the top, bottom, and sides of your tic-tac-toe board. That would leave you nine small rectangles inside of one big rectangle. Pitch number five is a called strike. And on pitch number five, there is a line that represents the strike zone. Then there is a whitish area that represents not really a, a, a good call, but maybe we'll get over it in the questionable area. And when you look at that, what's hilarious is the second pitch is called a ball. And if any part of the ball is on the corner, it's supposed to be a strike. So ball two, it's so funny if you watch the game. Joe Davis is the play-by-play guy, and he's telling a little bit of the story. Then he goes, ball one, blah, 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 uh, strike one. It's an even – he called that a ball. Where was that? Okay, well, all right, now it's 2-0. and oh. And then he stumbles around. He can't get back to his story. Marquez's strike call, is his ball call is so bad, he doesn't know what to do. And then – Marquez evens it out by having a pitch. Seriously, look at where that number five is. It's over the left-handed batter's box. It's that far outside. The only, if you don't know this, if you hit the ball with your foot on the plate, you're out. That pitch is so far outside, it would be borderline Marquez stepping on the plate in order to hit it. I think I said Marquez. Moreno hitting it. That's how bad of a call that is. That is so, you know, it's funny. I don't know how many of you watched Monday Night Football last night. There was a play last night in Monday Night Football in which the Lions threw a pass over the head of their own running back. And it was um, Goff threw it about 80 miles an hour over his head by about five feet. The running back could have jumped up and touched it, but it was so clear where the ball landed. It was nowhere in the vicinity of the receiver since it's not in the vicinity of the receiver that's supposed to be intentional grounding walt anderson is the head of officials and he actually went on the air via zoom call to tell both troy aikman and the rules analyst john perry of of abc espn that they were wrong that pass was in the vicinity so think about this what's the vicinity To me, if a ball bounces 15 yards away, 15 feet away from a player, that's not in the vicinity. Walt Anderson is now claiming that since the ball 
probably could have been touched by the running back jumping up in the air to just say, I can touch it. That's in the vicinity, almost like it's a strike zone. At some point, it went over the receiver's head. Therefore, that's in the vicinity. But he actually went on air to talk about the call. I started laughing because I was thinking when I saw that, because I watched it on the DVR after the Diamondbacks game, I started thinking of Marquez and thinking, are you kidding me that you actually should have had an umpire expert come on and try to explain how that happens? Because that was that horrible of a call. All right, let's uh, let's hit a break since I went long on Town Hall Tuesday, Jeff. And uh, coming up next, I would love to get into the Arizona Cardinals. Jonathan Gannon shocked us yesterday, and I think he's making a mistake. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by World Wind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. If you're having a hangover, a bad day, even a good day, still get your burrito at Burrito Express. It will make you feel better. Burrito Express started with my father about 25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old. I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. So I just sent an email to Jeff Weir Production. We will see when he gets it. Uh, let me know sometime tomorrow, Jeff, when you get my latest email. Uh, sure thing. Uh, thank you. It, uh, it'll have the order of the sound clips for college football. We're going to do Cardinals and college football and try to cram it all into the next 11 minutes. And I, man, I really want to get to Dabo Sweeney, but that's five minutes long, so we're going to be moving pretty quick here on everything that I have uh, have left. Uh, beginning of the press conference, Jonathan Gannon sits down, doesn't even take a question, and uh, basically smacks us all in the head with this. Talked to all the quarterbacks this morning. Um, we're going to keep ramping up Kyler and uh, see how he progresses through the week. And if it's not Kyler, then it's going to be Clayton Toon. So I talked to uh, all three quarterbacks and on the same page with them how we're going to operate moving forward. Look forward to having a good week of prep. Cleveland, two-day trip. Try to go get a win. I, this is so rare that you – how many times have you listened to sports talk radio or listened to talk shows or – sports podcasts where you have a guy ripping a coach for continually keeping the same bad player in the game. Okay. Get the back. Get the, yeah. And people go crazy. I, I don't know of a time in my career I've ever ripped a coach for making a change. I think this is a ridiculous decision. Now, hopefully it's really like you might be arguing well Doug it's simple Kyler's gonna play so therefore it's not that big of a deal okay but he also said later on in the press conference and I'll get to that in a second that Kyler Kyler's backup is gonna be Clayton Toon I think Joshua Dobbs has had back-to-back bad games bad decisions bad a lot of things okay 
And I understand the theory of, well, it can't get any worse. I, I actually, yes, it can. Yes, it can. The, the Bills, before they found Josh Allen, went to Nathan Peterman. Now, let me be clear. Boy, did I miss on Nathan Peterman. I thought he was a steal in the fifth round as a Pittsburgh quarterback. I didn't think he's going to the Hall of Fame, but I thought he'd be one of those guys that would be like the 22nd best quarterback in the NFL, and he can hold it down until you get your quarterback of the future. I really liked his mindset. He walked in, earns a start for the Bills for no real reason. The other quarterback was doing fine, and then throws five interceptions in the first half. Made the coaching staff look like a bunch of idiots. I look at this and say, it can get worse. So what are you doing with Clayton Toon? Are you really getting him ready for 2024? I mean, either, do you actually think Clayton Toon's a better quarterback than the ones that you have in the 2024 draft? If you're sticking with Kyler, then why in the world would you get Clayton Toon going for because you're not developing him for 2024? And you actually think Clayton Toon a rookie whose only pass play is your idiotic fake punt is now ready to start if he's not in? And then there's the backup situation. There's no way a rookie is going to be ready to come in as a backup. They don't no way over Josh Dobbs. I mean, even if we're going to argue should Dobbs or Toon start and you're going to give all the reps to Clayton Toon and then we, okay, we can have that discussion. I disagree with it. But the idea of having a backup be a rookie, that this is all bad. All bad for the Cardinals. Uh, JG, why did you change your mind? Because Sunday you said that the quarterback is still going to be Josh Dobbs. Yeah, I was just watching the tape again, talking with the staff. I um, feel like this gives us the best chance to win. I do feel bad for Josh Dobbs because this is one of those things where the rest of the NFL, unless they think the team is blatantly tanking, that could be the case. It could be just a blatant tank. The catch is if you're tanking, why not keep Dobbs in? Okay. Dobbs is, are they, did you really think Dobbs played so well in the last couple of weeks that you're going, uh oh, we might start winning with Dobbs. We got to get him out of there. All right. That's not happening. So it can't be a tanking reason. And then you look at that decision right there that, hey, I watched the film. He's basically telling the rest of the NFL, Dobbs can't play in this league. I, I have a hard time believing there's 64 quarterbacks better than Dobbs. I, I, I'm shocked he's this bad. I'm shocked that a guy that would blow me away in intelligence keeps making these mental errors while on the field. But there's no way you're going to get me to believe that Clayton Toon is better prepared to win an NFL game than Dobbs is. No way, in my opinion. All right, the last one is simply, what does Kyler have to do this week and in practice to earn the uh, the right to start at Cleveland? Yeah, just keep playing football. You know what I mean? You know, he's, he's coming off a major injury. Um, he's had, you know, a couple weeks of work here. Uh, he's making strides, but just want to make sure he feels comfortable with everything that we're asking him to do. Is a big part of that, just working a lot more with the ones. And especially yeah, absolutely, Howard. Yeah, mm-hmm. just being getting snaps in the offense, getting reps. You know what I mean? That's reps are gold. Um, as long as coming along with you know the physical element of it, the mental part of it. Um, but he's doing a good job. Yeah. 
I do think it's minimized by the fact that clearly Kyler Murray is starting this weekend. That's totally what I believe. So they don't think it's a big deal. But I still look at it and say, fine, if Kyler's starting, why are you demoting Joshua Dobbs if it doesn't matter? And if it does matter, why are you playing Clayton Toon? I mean, think about those two things. Either Kyler is starting, so why even publicly announce the demotion? Like, for a guy that doesn't want any of us to know when there's a finger that's been sprained by a punter, I'm I'm not saying the punter sprained his finger, I'm just making it up like who cares if the punter sprained his finger. It's It doesn't make any sense that you're letting us know who the backup is when you've made a change. We would have found out when you threw him out there, when you actually put Tune into the game for Kyler Murray. And if Kyler isn't ready... Just explain, okay, you said you think it gives them the best chance to win a game. Really? I mean, Dobbs is not good. But is he destroying the team to that level? I just, wow. I said at the beginning of the year that my opinion is you should have started Clayton Toon from game one. And the reason why I thought you should start Clayton Toon from game one is you're already terrible. And now that you've established yourself as terrible – Let's go through the year and find out whether Clayton Toon can actually play. I think that's important. Why waste time? But to do it now, it's like, wait a minute. Who are you fooling? Were you that clueless at the beginning of the year that you didn't know there's a reason why Joshua Dobbs is on his seventh team in six years? You had to see it? Like, are you not watching film? Do they not have direct TV in Tempe to watch Sunday Ticket? To watch all the, the – did you not watch NFL Network? I have NFL Network. I've been able to see the preseason games Dobbs played in over the last six years. I knew. How did you not know? It's just it's a lot of bad decision-making going on in Tempe. What bothers me, though, is this is one of the first times I've just seen um, Coach Jonathan Gannon fall on his face. You can tell it's a two-mountain due day, and I've only had one. There's that gap in there mentally, like I'm on delay right now. But Jonathan Gannon, you're just reaching now. You're just reaching. That's weird. All right, let's get to college football. Let's start with Jed Fish. It's on the email I sent 10 minutes ago that you didn't get, uh, by the way, if you're wondering. Uh, we'll start with uh, – this is really quick, U of A. Sorry, U of A fans. I would have spent a lot more time on on the Wildcats. You deserve it with the way you're playing, but ArizonaWildcats.com decided to have a derelict running the video. I shouldn't say that. Sorry, dude, for was running the video if it's your first time ever. I've done bad things the first time I've ever done something. But, oh, my gosh. I mean, Can you just not look at the viewfinder and say, all right, Something's going on. Jet Fish is not on camera anymore. What do I do? I mean, ask somebody. An audio guy. Are you wearing headphones? And there's no way you were wearing headphones and produce that product. Okay, there. No, last time I ripped them. Uh, Noah Fafita is a three-time freshman of the year of the week. Three times in a row. That's kind of funny. Three-time freshman of the year. <laughs> Wait, compute that math. Three-time freshman of the week for the Pac-12. Uh, any news on who's going to be the quarterback? Yeah, the last three starts that he's had, he's won it, uh, which is a pretty cool stat in itself uh, that uh, he's continued to go out there and impress. Uh, you look at his numbers. I was just looking at him. You know, he's played 19 quarters of football. He's 76% as a passer. Uh, he's thrown 11 touchdowns, three interceptions. And, um, you know, those are those are really good numbers, and I think he's being rewarded for that. Um you know, you look at, as I've said, you look at the two quarterbacks combined, they're sitting there at 20 touchdown passes, 73% completion, eight interceptions. And, um, 
you know, over a hundred and you know, Jaden's run for 163 yards and so 225 yards rushing. So uh, I think both of them have done great this season. Noah uh, certainly has gotten the accolades the last three weeks, and that's fantastic for Noah. Rightfully so. He deserves it. He's completed over 70% of his passes in each game, and uh, I expect him to continue to get better. Does anybody have the feeling that Fafita is the starting quarterback of the Arizona Wildcats? I do. I think he is. I think Jed Fish is waiting as long as he can before he announces it, but boy, what a huge mistake if they go back to Jaden Delora. What a terrible mistake. <laughs> I, I don't think he'll make that mistake. All right, let's go to Kenny Dillingham now. Love a lot of the things that, uh, that he had to say in his Monday press conference. Let's start from the beginning with, uh, we're gonna, this is going to be uh, weird. We're going to go one, five, three, two. I, I'll just go, I, I get confused. <laughs> CKD1, please. Winning situational football is why ASU won their first conference game. Yeah, I think situational football in terms of we won the situations was something that they realized how big it was. I mean, when you look at the game and there were no turnovers in the game, but we had 11 possessions versus their nine. And how do you create plus two possessions in a game with no turnovers? You win the second half, the second quarter, I mean, and then you end the game with the ball in your hands in a four-minute drill. And to be able to do that and really gain surely a possession, a half, because the one possession ended because of time, but to be able to gain that time, I think those guys are buying into situational football wins and for them to see that, I think it just makes them, you know, more focused on those areas of practice and how valuable they can be. I love that because he has been preaching situational football, and to him, it's it's a it's a down and distance thing. Okay, if it's third and seven and you're on defense, understand their whole goal is to get to here. So let's play those sticks and keep them off the uh, get them off the field. If you are on third down, it's third and three, don't bounce the play outside thinking I now have a chance at a 50-yard run because you also have a chance of being caught and losing yardage. Get it up the middle. Get the three yards. Let's live to fight another day and get a new set of downs. Knowing those situational battles are huge, and now that they did better and they won, it turns into when we're practicing the four-minute offense, when we're practicing a two-minute offense, when we're practicing different scenarios where it's not just a cheesy walkthrough that I'm asleep on. You understand that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday leads to wins on Saturday, and you practice harder. Great point by, uh, by Coach on that one. The next one is he was asked about winning and how good it felt and blah, 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 and he just says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yes, it feels great to win, but we're, we're in the process of building something far greater than one win. Yeah, I think anytime that you create calluses, right, they're there forever. So when you can sh play well and, and get better and not get the, you know, the release or the happiness that you want from it, instantaneously it calluses your hands and those calluses eventually come back to be a positive for you and i think slowly uh we're going to keep building calluses as we won one game like let's let's relax right we're going to continue to get better 
That's the challenge. Every single week, every single game, doesn't matter if we would have won the prior four that we could have won or we would have lost last week. We would be sitting here today doing the exact same thing. I'd be talking through the exact same plays with the players, going through the exact same process of the game plan. There's really no difference, but Saturday night was more fun. It's the only difference that I view. I love breaking it down like that. It does make it sad that you turn people into machines, but don't you like the way the Patriots win? I mean, wouldn't you love to be an ASU fan and to get start to get sick of winning all the time? And that's basically what he's saying. Whether we won or lost Saturday does not change our process Monday. So therefore, focus on the process. I like that. Um, the next one, what a great piece of analysis from whoever asked this question. Sorry, I don't know who asked it. But he looked at the schedule for ASU and figured out this is now the third game in a row coming up against Utah where the opponent just finished playing Oregon the week before. And since Oregon's offense is still doing a lot of the things Kenny Dillingham did when he was offensive coordinator at Oregon and Bo Nix is still running the same system, he was asked, does it help him at all that by watching Oregon, a team he knows very well and the plays that he knows very well, up against the previous two opponents to get ready for the ASU game against that same team, does it help now against Utah? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, when you watch them, I kind of know some of the why they're checking things, and I can kind of see, you know, they checked four vertical angles to fill two trap uh, on Utah, the same thing that we did versus Utah last year. Uh, their score at ours didn't last year, but so to see some carryover there is good. But it's also a negative because, you know, they know, well, that's what we would have checked too if we would have got that, you know, because they watch us play last year, they see them play again. So they say, okay, well, what's ASU going to do if they get this same picture? They're going to do the same thing. So maybe they got to be more uh, creative with their disguises or change some things up. So it's a, it's a blessing in some ways. It's a curse in other ways because they know there are some similarities now uh, to, to those uh, game plans. Now we're a little bit different, obviously, and we're adapting and changing, but the core of who we are is, is still going to be similar. He said that really quick. They check from a four, vert, four verticals to a field two trap. So what he's saying is Utah had the type of defense in that, that Bo Nix thought four verts, which is just simply two receivers on one side, two receivers on the other, and everybody go. <laughs> okay, just run straight, get open. That's really all four verts are. Go. All right? Well, they went into a field trap, which means if you're on the two, if you're the outside receiver, you're running deep. You're still doing nothing different. And if you're open, we're throwing to you. However, as you run deep and clear out the outside alley, the slot receiver is going to make it look like I'm running deep, and then I'm going to cut in towards the bench. And when I run that out route, we're hoping there's no way the linebacker or the safety can get all the way to the outside in time to guard the inside receiver who's now running an out route. And if the outside receiver runs his route so hard, then the corner is staying with him and the corner's going straight down the field and this whole thing's wide open. So he says, Bo Nix, check to it. And now I know that Utah knows that's what we do too. We would have done the same thing. So I like it because, yeah, it's an advantage because I know what they're doing and I see what works for Utah. However, Utah knows we're going to do the same thing. And so it's an advantage for them. So it kind of uh, washes itself out. 
almost every team now has multiple defenses, 4-3, They might have a base, but they go back and forth. But at the turn of the century, it wasn't like that. You were either a 4-3 or a 3-4, and that was it. And I'll never forget talking to an offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. His name is Al Saunders. And the schedule came out, and he loved it. He loved the schedule. Uh, is it game times? No. Oh, oh. Is it your home opponents versus road opponents? No, no, no. Uh, is it? I, I kept getting, okay, fine, I don't know. And he said, this is a championship type of schedule because we play four straight 4-3 four, teams. Then we play three straight 3-4 three, teams. Then we play all 4-3 teams. And by that... He could prepare for the four threes and everybody gets into a flow. And then we have this block of three fours, so we're focused on playing against a three four. Now we go back to what we were used to. He said it's 400 times harder if it's two weeks and then a, a four three, then a three four. Two weeks of a four three, then a three four. When you intermix, that's when mistakes happen. And he loved that. So it's interesting to me to hear that because now what's unfortunate is you have defenses that are looking at ASU saying, okay, similar game plan. Here's the mistakes we made against Oregon. Clean that up. We'll be ready to go. That hurts because Utah can bring it. When I say Utah can bring it, here is uh, Kenny Dillingham talking about the culture that he wants to bring to ASU is what he wants to take from Salt Lake. In terms of Utah, uh, this is the culture that we want, that I envision here. This is the, they're the program that I envision hopefully having here a coach who's, you know, been there for 19 years, who's built it up, who's established physicality in the program, toughness. Uh, that's what we're trying to build here. So this is the standard, the gold standard in the league, in my opinion, for what a program should look like, should feel like. And it starts with, stopping the run and running the football with them. And I think any elite program, uh, which I consider Utah an elite program with how they, with, with coach there and what they've done. And I think any elite program has that physicality up front and they have that. I've been talking to our guys about this game for a long time, uh, showing clips of what it takes to win at this level at a high level. And I've been Utah, using Utah as the example. That's high praise. So, Go right to it, Coach. If you're using Utah as an example, how would you describe that culture? Uh, Utah is one of the most aggressive and violent teams defending perimeter runs in the country because all the what they do defensively. And they are violent, and you better, if you get into a stack or bunch and somebody presses you, you better set your jaw because that dude's going to try to put, you, put your butt in the ground. So, you know, it's a great challenge for us to see where our physicality stands because this is this football team's identity is physicality, and uh, they've had 19 years to establish it. Violent physicality. I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, of that phrase. All right, get specific, uh, and uh, and this is for all ASU fans now to get to know Utah. Tell me about Utah's defense. What are you up against, Coach? Yeah, they're very pro style. They match people. So if we were in 30 personnel. You know, they would put another linebacker on the field 32 they're gonna take corner off they're just they match people it's a this is a man game bottom line like that's why they're good on defense if you put in a fast guy they put in a fast guy you put in a big guy they put in a big guy it's very very nfl mindset they don't play as much with the hybrid nickel who can cover and also 
uh, tackle the run so they can be versatile. They put the players in the field to match your players, and they say, we're going to do what you want to do better than you. Put a big guy, we're going to hit better than you. You put a small guy, we're going to run better than you. And we're going to do that with, in my opinion, really good scheme, really creative scheme, scheme that changes minutely. Uh, if that's even a word, sounded really good uh, throughout the years. But uh, that's what they do. They make minor, minor changes to what they do, but they do it at a really, really effective rate. Minute changes means you get yourself set. That Therefore, the longer people stay in the program, the easier it is for them to run the defense. But the change is just enough that it screws with the other team's offense. Even though the coach probably knows what's coming, they're executing their defense at a better clip than you're executing your offense. Because normally what happens on a lot of offenses, this is – this is my belief. I don't know if it's true. I believe more people transfer into offense because they're upset at their playing time for being able to get catches or they're playing but they're not getting carries or a quarterback who doesn't get what he wants playing time so he transfers. The transfer portal is full of players offensive and defensive but I have a belief that more offensive players transfer. Therefore, that's a benefit to Utah's defense. I should probably actually learn whether I'm right on that before I spout that off, but that's that's what I believe. <laughs> uh, so that's it for college football, except for Dabo Sweeney, which I don't have time for, and I hate that, but Dabo Sweeney went on a five-minute rant against a caller that I was going to play for you today. I'll try to get to that tomorrow, but it's time for Steve McCollum to join us. Steve is in his studio, which is actually just through a wall, uh, actually through two walls. There's Izzy's studio, and then there's Steve McCollum, and the main event's coming up at 8 o'clock, Steve. Steve, good morning. Uh, have you ever wanted to be a major league baseball umpire uh i've never wanted to be a major league baseball anything really yeah i i admit i wanted to be a player growing up stupid yeah if you want to be uh fat and lazy that's the sport to go into right <laughs> uh, i was a first baseman <laughs> I, I enjoyed first base there you go if you uh throw it to me and i scoop it out everybody thinks i'm a great <laughs> defender and if i don't it's your air what does it bother me yeah or if you uh you know run from third to home when you're slower than a snail then uh, everybody blames you instead of the running coach i heard your rant this morning that's all you got to give the third base coach problems as well on that uh, oh no can, way that's you not cannot, you cannot wait, 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 that's not baseball you cannot that's exactly windmill what you do. for five minutes and then throw it up to a guy that can barely run in the first oh, place steve that's exactly with garcia out there that's exactly joke. what you do every third base coach in the world does that that's, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. that's an absolute joke not with that guy throwing the football or throwing the baseball whatever whatever he's throwing <laughs> no that's i mean every third base coach does that because you're trying to induce a throw and you, you always yeah, and say you got go, one. and then you put up the stop yeah, sign. and you got one yeah. it's, it's also on the third base coach that's a joke you know who's throwing the ball if christian walker's supposed to know who's throwing the ball third base coach should know who's throwing the ball he does. so that he, he goes by yeah so then you don't windmill your guy well, you three quarters do. away down the line think about joke. this I, I know you're arguing with me but if every single third base <laughs> coach in all of baseball disagrees with you are you still right Okay. Okay. Uh, start naming all all thirty two yes, third base coaches. Let's see. Let's see them disagreeing all, with me. All all thirty of them. But uh, now if, you no, might I do be, a couple extra in there because they're, they're they're not there. Some they're of the not, first base coaches there. you're throwing yeah, in. Yeah, as they're well. not there. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> the, uh, but I I what about are you in favor of which one are you in favor of? Uh, I guess there's three options, so it's not which one. Don't change home plate umpiring at all. Go to the challenge system where you get to choose no. one pitch per at-bat or one pitch an inning, or 
completely automated balls and strikes. Uh, keep it the way it is. Really? Yeah. I thought you would. I knew you thought that about about a year ago, but I didn't know if you were going to change. Well, because of because of one game. Look. The umpiring, it doesn't matter if you have the best guy, as we saw in game two. He makes yeah, mistakes. He had a bad game. You're yeah, right. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't matter if you have the 77th guy like we had last night. <laughs> he makes bad mistakes. Uh, the pro, the difference is it's like basketball, right, where you can influence a game. And last mm-hmm. night he flat out influenced that game negatively on both sides, I'd argue, but especially on the Diamondback side in that ninth inning. Uh, and uh, it's that's where the umpiring umpires are going to make mistakes. Same thing in the NFL; they yeah, make yeah. mistakes. It's when you do it, and can it be corrected? Like on the last at bat, you could argue he should have had strike two already. Yes, you're right. You're right. Totally right. Now the difference is, is was that a makeup call? That's against the rules on the makeup call, and it looks bad. And that guy should never up another World Series game again. I'm the first one to say that, but uh, it's part of the game. Texas Rangers fans complained about the umpiring in Game One. It's what we do as sports fans. Mm-hmm. We complain about ref- umpiring. We compare about re- complain about refereeing, and then we all move on. I am one that – now, this is funny. I thought I was friends with Bill Self. He, we used to text back all the time. The, the basketball KU, coach? Yeah, the KU right. basketball coach. But then as soon as I moved from Kansas City, I realized it was a friendship of convenience because he's never texted me back yeah. in 17 well, years. He, he's got other things to worry about, yeah. like cheating. Yeah, well, there's, there is that, even though he says he never <laughs> yeah, did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But having said that, he I'll never forget one time we were in an argument about the strike zone of all things. <laughs> and he had just had a game about three nights before. Yeah. And then he said this off the record, and the reason why I'm repeating it is because I can't even remember the ref's name, so it won't hurt anybody's feelings. But he said, so-and-so, I guarantee you, is the best referee in college basketball. Okay. He was terrible Thursday night. Yeah. He was terrible. And he says, good refs can have bad games. Absolutely. And that's what I'm wondering about how Rayburn, who was the home plate umpire at game two, went from the best too. Boy, you missed Look, a lot. They're human beings also, right? They mm-hmm. they feel the pressure. They're under the, the just as much pressure as everybody else. This is a big uh, event for them. It's a big setting for them. And that's what cracks me up about it. Everybody's on okay. Christian Walker today, right? Making a split-second decision to, to run home. He compounded it absolutely. It's his fault. I still – third base coach has blame in that. But we, we're all over Christian Walker, and then we're all over the umpires. But, look, these guys have split-second decisions to make stuff, and you can criticize it. I'm not saying don't, but at the same time, umpires are human beings as well, and I like that human element in the game. Does it suck sometimes? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But as I said, Rangers fans were throwing a gasket about the umpires in game one, so it evens out. To me, it, on review and challenges, it depends on the length. Well, that's the problem with the challenges. And here's the other thing about challenges. When you have to slow down a challenge to the point you're in slow-mo to see if it goes off or fingernail, you're defeating the purpose of the challenge at that point. Mm-hmm. You should be able to view it in real time on a challenge instantly. And they have the technology. We can all see the overhead thing to know if it's yeah, a yeah, ball yeah, or strike. Yeah. So why can't, if he calls out a ball, right, or he calls out a strike, why can't they? the guy upstairs just ding him right there and go, eh, call that a call, re, re, redo that, right? But you know why they don't? Because the umpires don't like to be shown up because they think they are the game, and that's the bigger problem. And it is the umpiring union because the umpiring union, if you show up in umpires, Major League Baseball, what does the umpires do? We'll strike. We'll cry like babies if you show us up because we suck. It is the union that's the problem. It's not Major League Baseball. And uh, the union can't handle being criticized, and the umpires are the biggest babies on the planet, folks. Here's the secret for you. Newsflash right here on the crossover. 
umpires and referees, biggest crybabies on the planet. Thank you. Thank you for the moment. I will defend most NBA refs <laughs> not named Scott Foster. They're all crybabies. <laughs> not named look Scott at an, Foster. Um, look at a referee on the court. If a player goes, whoa, whoa, what does he do? Give mean mugs them? The reason why I go after the owners is because <laughs> they have every right to call up AAA, AA umpires and fire all they, of they can't. The, the union. Well, they I can't. Mean, they can once the collective bargaining agreement ends. Well, that's the thing. That's yes. what I mean. That's what yes. I'm talking about is when, the, when, when you're negotiating with the umpires, it's like, hey, I would say here, here's the rule. We're going to rank all of you, and every year the bottom ten of you are back yeah. to AAA. One thing I hate about it. one thing I hate about football, right? When the NFL referees get they they go away from the teams and they go to the best you know line judge, best umpire, yeah. oh, whatever, oh, yeah, and they yeah. split. Yeah. I hate the all star version of it because they don't have any chemistry or anything. Yeah, what, what, if you, so, for those of you that are new, if you yeah. don't know what Steve's talking about, in the you have a team of referees that travel together until the postseason, yeah. and then the postseason they say we're going to take the best back yes. judge and put with the best ref even if they've never done a game together yeah and i think uh does major league baseball do that they don't have they mix up crews anyway throughout the year yeah so, yeah guys guys get days off yeah, and stuff exactly. like that right exactly. so uh, so it does change yeah oh good save right there very well done very well done right there by steve mccullum Time for uh, Versus Vegas. If you uh, want more Steve McCollum and you'd like to have a little Dale Hellestray mixed in, that's coming up from 8 to 10. And then Izzy Isaiah Jackson comes your way from 10 to noon, and it's a Tuesday, which is the magical day here at WTSMTV.com where we give you the longest stretch of local sports programming in the history of the city of Phoenix. Yes, think about that. The longest stretch of television sports programming in Phoenix history is every Tuesday here on WTSMTV.com where you get the standard six hours from Unplug, the main event, and iOS. Then we have two new shows that have gotten underway, Hanging with Coop, which is fantastic from noon to one, in which the Bruce Cooper, formerly of 12 News, the most respected sports personality in the market, in the city, gives you his opinions totally unfiltered and for a whole hour. And then right after that, the organic football show in which just three dudes with a beer who love and know fantasy football come in and help you with all your fantasy work. And guys, if you're wondering about me, my evil arch rival allowed the trade to pass by without saying anything. Didn't do a thing on it. So he's coming over for Halloween tonight and I'm going to bust him. Absolutely bust him for letting that trade go by and not jumping on it. All right, here's uh, here's what I'm looking at for uh, today's games. Or here's how I did yesterday. I told you I wasn't touching the Diamondbacks because I did not like that matchup yesterday. As far as making money, I didn't see an advantage at all. Obviously, the big winners are for those of you that took Texas minus the one and a half on the run line, or you took the under. I should have taken the under, but... I also felt like this could be the game that fought gets lit up, and I was wrong on that. But I didn't put any money on it, so it's all right. I love Detroit minus the seven against Las Vegas. That looked like I was going to be wrong, and typical Jimmy Garoppolo, he fell on his face once again. So I get that win. Lions won 26-14, so I easily cover the touchdown at home. And I loved the Celtics minus 10 on the road. Nailed that one. 
they beat Washington yesterday 126-107. So easily covered that one. So I end up going 2-0 on the day, which is a pretty nice day at the office. Happy about that. And then that puts me at 10-20. Sorry, I'm doing the math right now. 9-26-2. No back-to-backs in the NBA at all. No back-to-backs in the NHL at all. So I don't really like a lot of the games today. Uh, As I look through, oh gosh, I'm going to go, I'm staring down the Clippers and the Magic. The Clippers made a massive trade for James Harden. There's no way he's playing tonight. Well, let's see. P.J. Tucker is also coming. He's not going to be there. The Clippers are going to be outmanned. Orlando's better than they have been. But this might provide a little bit of juice. It might provide a little bit of juice to the Clippers to say, okay, here we go. If they, You know what? The one thing is they might not want James Harden. I don't know how the players feel. Like if I'm a player... I would be sick of James Harden's act, okay? Oklahoma City didn't want you anymore. Brooklyn didn't want you anymore. But you had the problem with Houston. You had the problem with Brooklyn. You had the problem with Philly. For some reason, James Harden thinks everywhere he goes, it's the other, it's the team's fault and not his. Doesn't that weigh on your teammates eventually? Like you say, you know what, I don't, I don't want to play with James Harden. So maybe I shouldn't touch that one. But I don't believe Booker and Beal are going to play tonight for the Suns against the Spurs. And that's a minus seven and a half. That seems like a pretty high total to just beat Kevin Durant. You know, I'm going to take, I'm going to go with the Suns minus the seven and a half. And the reason why I'm doing it is I think they've been missing quite a few shots on the perimeter without KD. I mean, I mean, Katie's playing, but the other guys are missing shots on the perimeter. I don't think that can just keep happening. So I'm going to take the Suns minus the seven and a half. But I admit, I don't love that one. You know, a lot of times I'll say, I love this. I don't, I don't love that one. I'm not all over uh, that one. I probably should go with the Knicks minus the three and a half. But let's let's stick with the Suns and let's think. Let's hope that my theory is right. That. Goodwin is going to hit a couple more threes than he has been. Nurkic is going to hit a couple threes and, uh, and and go with some of the other guys. Maybe a Kogi gets off, and and I think I can cover that seven and a half. But that's going to be uh, that's going to be nip and tuck. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. I'd like to. Anybody want to have a watch party? If you're in the Unplugged Army, you want to get together Friday and watch the D-backs. That's uh, granted, if the Rangers sweep us here at home, it's not going to matter. But I know the the D-backs are winning one of these two games. I think there's going to be a game six. So I'm thinking about having a watch party on Friday. So kind of plan out your Friday night and think about watching the D-backs all together as a group. And I'll I'll have some kind of an announcement later on, uh, maybe on Twitter today, and I'll talk about it tomorrow about what we're doing. The official sports bar of Doug Franz Unplugged is Rosati's Ray and McQueen in Chandler. Civilic is a great place to watch a game, but I do admit they close a little early. It's for breakfast, lunch, and an early dinner for anybody golfing 
at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. If you haven't done it, go to unpluggedworldwind.com and think about signing up and becoming a Whirlwind Plus member. And it's time for Sweet Lou and I to work on some of the exclusive invites you get as a Whirlwind Plus member. If you haven't done it already, it's worth it. It's almost worth it even if you're not a golfer. It's definitely worth it if you're buying Christmas presents for a golfer. Then join the monthly plan. If you are a golfer, join the yearly plan for only $2.99, and I guarantee you, you save money by only your third visit of the year, and you're playing a legendary course. Best sandwich in all of Arizona is Bell's Nashville Kitchen's hot chi- Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich. They're located at Scottsdale on Main Street. You got Rosati's, or you already said Rosati's, you got Burrito Express, best burrito, breakfast burrito in the world. They got seven locations on the east side. And now is a great time to save money on an air conditioner now that the temperatures have gone down. Call 602-2-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. The main event's up next. I'll see you tomorrow.